0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Craft of the Draft podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Nathan Seppi, again joined by Jonty Ralph-Smith. How are you, Jonty?
1: Yeah, really good. It was a great weekend of footy. Good to good to have boys footy back and girls footy continuing. Some teams kicking off their girls campaign as well. But, um, yeah, getting into the real thick of it in the Talent League season. So, yeah, looking forward to looking at who played well.
0: Yeah, well, it was an interesting first round for the boys and the girls we've seen Couple teams play now twice, but we still haven't seen the Metro team. So, look, mm. we'll give a bit of a preview at the end when we do our tips, which, you know, word has it, they're quite popular, these tips. So, we'll continue to give our expert tip in analysis on uh, who we think is going to win each week. But now let's crack into the week that's just been. And we had four girls' games. So, we're going to start with the girls' games. And yeah. the first one was out in Ballarat, double headed with the boys. So, the girls played first and Uh, The Rebels won that game at 7-8-50, and they beat the Pioneers 3-3-21. So the Rebels bounced back against the Falcons. They lost to the week before, and the Pioneers had their first loss, and they beat Murray in the first round. So both teams sit at 1-1. But I'll start... With GWV, Isabella Davies, we, we spoke about her preseason with her testing. That was phenomenal. And Sal Riley really backed in her preseason form as well to continue into rounds one and two, and that certainly has been the case. She had 27 touches, 19 kicks. She's playing on the win a lot, and I think that, that position just suits her so well with her running capacity and her endurance. And she's benefiting off the vision she's seen at training, and that's definitely impacting her game a lot. And Her kick ins improved as well, which was visible on the weekend. So, a really good game for her.
1: That's that's yeah, that's really good. And I know Molly Walton's, um, watching GWV last week, Molly Walton's work rate was one thing that stood out. And Millie Lane was another one. Do you want to give an insight perhaps into into one of those players? I know yeah, well,
0: one. yeah, well, Millie Lane was fantastic. She was reading the ball really well as a backliner, 21 touches, five marks, four tackles, and I think. A common trend we're seeing with the girls is just the tackling pressure is much higher now. And a lot of girls are getting average, I'd say, five, six, seven tackles a game. And I think there was one team across the weekend that I reckon the top five, six girls had around 11 tackles, 10 tackles each. So it's uh, definitely increasing.
1: Yeah no very good. Um and I suppose from a from a Bendigo perspective Paint Painter's going to be all the talk all season but she's she's put forward a, a really strong performance again to to start the season so she started with a bang.
0: Yeah no she started really well a player that really enjoys the contest but her work rate work rate is really high and it's just something that she prides herself on and it's been shown in the games that she's got the ability to really press every contest make an impact and she definitely showed that on Saturday, eight tackles, twenty-eight touches. So she was the leading disposal getter for Bendigo.
1: And I suppose to to touch on some other sort of leading statistic getters from a from a Bendigo perspective, Lila Keck, who we've spoken about previously on the podcast, fifteen disposals and eleven tackles. So again, that probably speaks to her work rate and her, her the stuff she does without the ball. Jamaica Douglas, we've given a shout out. I know you've spoken to her, Nathan, and Gemma Roberts, 10 disposals and nine tackles as well. Jamaica with 18 touches and a goal. But what about Stephanie Demio? She's one who people within Bendigo are really liking how she's going and probably one we haven't touched on yet.
0: Yeah, Steph Demio, she's a part of the leadership group for the Pioneers. So a very, very good leader and one that a lot of the girls look up to. Just her ability to use the ball is exceptional. And to read the play and position it and put herself in good positions is something that a Whitney Kennedy coach, the Bendigo coach, really loves about her. So she's one that keep an eye on. She's performing really well and really consistently. So some good some good starts for the Bendigo players. And yeah. But let's move on straight away to the second game. Wasn't as good a result for Murray as they would have hoped for. They got beaten by the Swans, one two eight to 11 77 And look, if the Swans were in this league, they'd be a tough team to beat. So I think a lot of current league clubs at the moment are looking at the Swans and probably a bit thankful that they're exiting in a couple of weeks. But not as good a day for Murray. And look, a couple of names I'll sort of talk about, but there wasn't as much to talk about with Murray, obviously with not as good a day. Uh, Chloe McAlaney has been definitely the standout for Coach Emma Mackin. Seventeen disposals, eight rebound fifties, but just a really solid backliner that knows how to read the play well and just provide Murray with those opportunities to transition forward really fast burst pace out of defensive fifty. So she was one that stood out. But some other names on the day that
1: played well, Alice.
0: Performed one well in the day and still to keep your eye out, but you know, not a good day for Mark in the end. Then so they moved to zero and two. But there's been some promise. Look, it's a good thing about a season now is that this mm-hmm. doesn't lose out the last couple of years, but we'll go to probably the closest game of the round, which was Geelong. And Dandenong, uh, Jonty, you know a lot about this one. Dandenong got up by 10 points in the end, so they do bounce back after that round one loss to the Swans. But we'll touch on Geelong first. Tell me a bit about Sarah Howley's game. How did she perform? What was the standout for her for Geelong?
1: Yeah, well, she's one who backed up a really strong round one performance and did it all again in round two. So for her, it's just... Um, for, for the upcoming weeks because she's shown what she's able to do already with, I think, probably about 60 disposals across the first two rounds, averaging 30 disposals. And we know girls' footy only play 20 minutes flat. So to be able to do that, her ability to sort of get out of contest and get into space is what's really impressed. So she's been the the really good midfielder from a Geelong perspective. But I think from that game, the, the really impressive thing was the high standard of footy and something that a lot of people who watch the game really touched on how far female footy has sort of come, and that game was probably really indicative of it, a couple of the stronger teams in the competition, and Dandenong certainly did bounce back from a from a poorer round one showing. But, um, yeah, before we get to them, I suppose the others to touch on from a Geelong perspective would be Mika Morrissey, who's sort of rebound from the back half, really impressed, and Chloe Adams. I mean, we talk about Sarah Howley with her ability in in performing both round one and round two, but Chloe Adams was another one who was able to do that. The skipper of the side, she stood up last week in a really hot and tough day and she did it again. It was a real skipper's performance and she has traits and a lot of upside as a, as a sort of modern female midfielder.
0: And we'll touch on Dandy on there with a bit of news out of one of Dandy star players, Meg Robertson.
1: Can you tell me about her game, but what the extra news is with her? Yeah. So Meg, got a concussion late in the game, so it was it was a pretty scary incident and play was stopped for several minutes and she ended up spending some time at the Geelong Hospital but Was the concussion. I suppose, I suppose the first thing would be just how, how well it was sort of handled and speaking to sort of people around the club, and she wasn't the only one that got a concussion on the weekend. There were a couple in the talent league, but it's good to hear how seriously those sort of injuries are being taken. Uh, but unfortunately, it is an unfortunate way for her day to end. She will now miss the next couple of weeks just with the fixturing of Dandy Nong playing two games in the next 12 days, but or 12 days from Sunday when they played. But it was a really as good a midfielder game from a girl as you'll see, like really clean and really showed off all her traits. She's been all the talk in pre-seasons, so really looking forward to seeing if she can back it up when she does get back on the park. But, yeah, I suppose also from a from a Dandenong perspective, Sophie Butterworth kicking the four goals out of her team's eight is really impressive. She has worked really hard in pre-season. She's a natural talent, and now she's marrying that up with work rate right, and getting her rewards. And Brooke Smith, one who we haven't talked about, she was also really polished in the forward half and set up Sophie all day. She's been a sort of... Rebounding half back throughout her career, but she's been recast as a forward and has taken to that role really well. This was her first game this season on the weekend, having played three games in each of 2021 and 2022, and she did well. So, looking forward to seeing she can back it up next week as an overager.
0: So, both those teams moved to one and one now, which is obviously a trend now that a lot of teams are one and one. uh Now, we move to the last game of round two, which was sort of similar to Murray's experience with Gippsland and GWS Academy came and they did beat Gippsland quite convincingly 0 2 2 to GWS six eleven forty seven. 11 47 obviously obviously, you know, the scoreline suggests it probably wasn't a great day, but there were a lot of positives with the names that played well. So tell me a bit about Gippsland's main stars on the day and why they performed so well in not as good a day for the
1: team. Yeah, I suppose the first thing to mention is it's credit to Nathan Boyd and the coaching staff that are able to marshal their troops and put forward a performance where their best quarter was probably their fourth quarter. have been easy to fall over given how how you know difficult a day it was with the start that their opposition got away to, which got to a point where it was clear that they weren't going to win the game. But yeah, I suppose if you look at performers who went well, Ash Centra is the key one that stands out. She Played across all four lines, defence, midfield and forward, started in the forward line, was injected into the midfield a little bit later and spent some time in the ruck even and did really well wherever she was playing. So she's one to keep an eye on because we know how talented she is and she's shown that she's she's ready. Still some things to work on, but certainly there were positive signs for a round one performance where a team was beaten. Amber Shute did some things and then you look at someone like a Siamma Lane in defence, she had to repel quite a lot and did that quite well. So that were probably the, the three names that I'd mention. Tyler Byrne, maybe the other one from a Gippsland perspective that, that caught my eye, and Alicia Molesworth, who's Box Hill VFLW listed. But um, they'll be better for the experience. So looking forward to seeing them bounce back. As From what I saw, their ability to fight out, I've got no doubt they, they will put forward better performances this season.
0: actually first and second but we're not going to obviously count them as part of that ladder uh we've got GWV it's actually five of the seven talent league teams are on four points and Murray and Gippsland still to win a game but very close it's only percentage that separates the teams. so GWV and Tassie sit up the top and Danny in on 3rd A very close season but let's actually move now to our round three tips for the girls for round Three and we're starting off with Bendigo and GWS. Based off what we've seen, both are probably going to be a very competitive game. GWS know how to win. Bendigo know how to win, but I'm going to give the home ground advantage and back Bendigo.
1: And I'll say the GWS Academy, their fundamentals are really good in Jewish conditions on the weekend, so I'll back them. To, I'll back them to back it up.
0: And then our second game, Geelong and Oakley. A very big game. Uh, but This is the first time we're seeing some Metro teams now, so it's actually very hard to predict because we don't know if these teams are going to come out and dominate or, you know, have a bit of rust because these country teams do have a bit of an advantage at the moment playing some early games. So I'm going to back Geelong based off the fact they have had two games now to settle into it.
1: And I'll go Geelong as well. Yeah, Geelong by three goals.
0: Murray and Northern is the third game at Wangaratta. Again, it's it's hard to back the Metro team when they haven't had as much full game experience. There's been practice matches, but they haven't had the real experience yet. So, I think Murray as well, after a pretty disappointing performance, will look to bounce back and they'll they'll win this one.
1: And I'll say Northern by five goals. They've had some really strong practice matches, and I've I've seen enough signs that I'm happy to back them.
0: Tassie and Weston in Tasmania is the fourth game of the round. Uh, Tassie looked very strong in their first game, and Jodie Clifford backs them to make finals. That was her pre-season statement, and I think they won't. I I don't think they'll look...
1: I'll go go Tassie, yeah. Tassie by a couple of goals, I think, as well.
0: And then we move to the... Well, it actually is the first game of the round now, but on the original fixture, Calder and Sandy is the uh, fifth game of the round. A very big Metro game. All Metro games are pretty big when they play each other. Both teams look pretty good from pre-season form. I'm going to back Calder on this one. I think the... You know, plethora of Strathmore girls will just create a create a very good team environment. So I think Calder will get up.
1: I think Calder by yeah by a couple of goals in this one. Yep.
0: And then on the Sunday we have a double header at Killscythe. We have Easton and Dandenong. We were at the practice match for that not too long ago, so it's a very recent matchup. But I'm going to back Easton again. They beat Dandenong with Dandenong's relatively full strength team in the mm. practice match. So I'm I'm back in Easton
1: to the coin, I think this one will be a bit tighter. It's a, it's a true season game, but it is Easton's first game. But they are, I did tip them as my premiership favourites. So, yeah, I think they've got a lot of top-end talent. I'd go Easton.
0: And then the last game of the round, Gippsland and GWV. I'm going to back GWV. They're just in such hot form at the moment. And with the likes of Jess Ranch, Isabella Davies, just running right at the moment, it's hard to see the Rebels losing this one.
1: Yeah, and they fought it out really well in round one GWV in a in a tough result or a tough day for footy. So, yeah, I'll go GWV by five goals.
0: So that's our girls' review of the episode done. So we're now moving to the boys' side of what happened in round one. And a lot of eyes are on the boys in round one, as you can imagine, because we only have about four weeks to see... The full teams, really, and then we move to about two, three months of ins and outs, and it's a different team each week, which is, you know, it's usual, but it's a good thing because we'll get to see a lot of different talent, you know, after that period. But for the first four weeks, we're seeing what every team has to offer. So we'll start with Northern and GWS. Uh, a very scrappy game from what we've heard, and uh, Northern – Certainly didn't put the scoreboard impact they probably wish they would have had 5 19 49 uh, to GWS 6 So I think the scoreline probably doesn't indicate Northern's dominance at time. Uh, but John T spoke to coach Anthony Rocker about Northern's performance. Tell me who he thought impressed and played well on the day. How'd Charlie Nash, Jack Chubb, these players go on the day?
1: Yeah, I suppose the first thing to, to bring up is. Yeah, probably Northern's pressure was was really good um, from what you sort of see and hear around the place. And like you say, the scoreboard ascendancy, they didn't get that at Northern, but they were clearly the better team and the ball was in their forward line for for much of the day. So it was a it was a really strong performance from them. You asked about Charlie Nash, he kicked the match winner in the fourth quarter, having missed a few earlier opportunities, and Jack Chubb. Is the one who hit him up, and he was really good as a high forward. I've seen him in practice matches, and he's really impressed me just with his with his clean hands. He's a 19-year-old, so he's come back and had an impact straight away, which is really good for him, one of their better performers on the day. And probably, if you were going to mention another player, it would be Zach Johnson, whose drive from the midfield was was really impressive in that game. Rowan McKenzie in the midfield, another one who, more so in the second half, was probably one whose pressure personified what Northern brought as a whole team. So he was really good. And then you also had Christian Farinado who laid a lot of tackles and Christian Mardini in the back half played a key role as well as did Lucas McInerney as a 17-year-old. So, So they'd be the main names out of that game. But, yeah, winning by seven points probably felt more like an eight or nine-goal victory to watch if you were watching that one.
0: And one name I want to mention that was actually playing for JWS, and we don't usually focus on any of the academy teams, but in this case, there's a bit of an interesting one with Harvey Thomas. Can you tell me a bit more about him, John Tees, looking at making a move to one of the Metro clubs in the coming future? So tell me a bit more about Harvey Thomas.
1: Yeah, so he'll link up with Oakley after round four, but yeah, started the season with JWS and Round one, he's played with aplomb. I mean, to go out there, he got 30 touches and 17 tackles, and those sort of numbers in any game, but particularly in a boys' game, are unheard of. You say that girls' tackles numbers, you said earlier, can sometimes be quite high, but to be that high for a boys' game, you, you don't often see that. So his work rate both ways was really impressive from a GWS perspective, and I know watching him in the practice match that Oakley played last week against Sandringham, he was one of Oakley's more impressive players, So he'll come back in, probably play in their forward line. You'd think they're going with a pretty young midfield and hopefully slots in as well at Oakley and can carry over this strong form from GWS's academy.
0: So a lot to look forward to there with Harvey Thomas. And now we move to the second game of the round, which was the big Metro clash of the round, which was Sandrinham and Easton at RSEA. to you were at that one. I got to catch glimpses there were about four games going on at that time with the boys and the girls so it was a bit of a full-on period so you saw most of it I saw half of it tell, tell me about that game in general what you saw who stood out from everyone because I think there were a lot of things to unpack with that game and it was a good game of footy in general and it went down to the last quarter back and forth but tell me from your perspective seeing it live who stood out
1: yeah, it was. It was a good game of footy. And I think I've probably, whether I've said it on the podcast or I've certainly said to people, those two teams are probably going to be the two teams that have the most players drafted this season. And that's probably why it was such a high standard. I mean, when you got down to the last quarter, the skill level did probably drop off and I did have that typical round one feel there were a lot of players cramping and that sort of thing. But yeah, no, it was good to see a lot of top-end talent really perform like from a sandringham perspective you had will brown who got quite a lot of the footy i think he finished with 24 touches as a big-bodied midfielder and took to that role and took to the captaincy really well archie roberts did a couple of things probably a little bit quieter 18 touches and levi ashcroft did really well in the midfield and then went forward and kicked a really classy goal a right foot banana but uh, i suppose to to look at names beyond the obvious who performed Harvey Johnston continues to put himself on the map, 19 touches, two tap, goals. We talk about his composure and execution and vision, his ability in traffic every week. But one other from a Sandringham perspective, and I'll speak about Easton, probably Miles Enders up forward. It was really impressive to see him in the first half when Easton probably had a bit more of the ascendancy in the first half before Sandy did come back into it. He was one who gave them a lot of zest and a lot of, a lot, of, a, bit, a lot of scoring potency. He finished with two goals, three, and probably only touched it 10 to 12 times, but it did feel like any time the ball went into his area, he was going to impact, and that was particularly pertinent in the first half.
0: And then for Eastern, Cooper Trembath, Josh Tovey in defence, tell me a little bit a bit more why they were so prominent in that back line and made an
1: impact. I think the whole back line in general from an Eastern perspective was quite cool. Andy were probably bombing it in a little bit in the first half, and that allowed the intercepting of Easton to really come to the fore. And Cooper Trembath was probably one in particular who led that. And he played really well at Hillsville in a practice match last week against Western as well. So he's one to keep your eye on. I think he finished with a, a team high nine marks. So, yeah, he was really good, as was, like you say, Josh Tovey down there, captain in defence. He was one of the best players according to according to the coaches. And then if you look in their midfield, you had Josh Smiley and Cody Anderson, a couple of bottom ages, big bodied, sort of players who were really good. And then up forward, Riley Weatherall playing on playing on who did he play on? Lockie Voss. He got a bit of a run on in the third quarter and kicked three consecutive goals, which really pulled Easton back into it. And Mason Cezone from Sandringham got the job on Nick Watson, who he's always going to have moments up forward, Nick Watson. And he did that, as you expected, on on Saturday.
0: Let's move on now to the third game of the round. We had Western Jets and the Sydney Swans Academy. It was very competitive for about three quarters, John T, and then the Swans just turned it up in the fourth quarter and rolled over the Jets in the end, getting up by 27 points. So the academies have got off to a good start. You know, you don't expect that very often, but they, and the boys as well, they've got off to a good start. But we were always going to expect Logan Morris to be the prominent figure on the day. But apart from Logan Morris, can you tell me a bit more about Luca Grego, Daniel Snell? Why did these players stand up as well for the Jets?
1: Yeah, I suppose Logan Morris, to start on him, four goals, took his opportunity up forward, and in the third quarter when Weston had the breeze, Sydney finished with the breeze, Weston had the breeze in the fourth quarter, he was one who really wrenched the momentum and gave... Western, a little bit of a scoreboard ascendancy. So he was really good, as you, you would expect. He's, he's got good hands above his head as well. But Luca Grego in the midfield, really good to see him perform well and back up. Probably what I saw at yeah, Hillsville last week. He played a really good game. He, his two way running all day was what stood out. I know the Obviously, when you are getting beaten in the last quarter, and they might have gone into their shells a little bit, being the scoreline being conservative, that's what people who watched the game sort of said it looked like. But he was one whose effort never really faltered, so that was really good. And when he had the ball, he he did reasonable things with it as well. So he he did well. And Daniel Snell, uh, another bottom major who who tested really well and didn't get as much of the footy, but still really impressed with winning a lot of out numbers he he had a few sort of 1 on 3s 1 on 4s and he was able to either halve or win those which really caught the eye even though he did only have the eight touches and then Lucas impi in the ruck was the other one he was probably the only player in the 22 that didn't play in the first in westerns cracking match against eastern but he came in and competed really well did some things around the ground and probably won the ruck battle throughout the day. He's got a basketball background, so he's one to keep an eye on. Similar, yeah, clearly a similar background to Rook Barry. who's also tall and got that basketball background for the Jets. So keep an eye on him throughout the season, see if he can back it up.
0: And then our fourth game of the round, GWV defeated the Pioneers 11 9, 75 to 9-6, 60. George Stevens, just a bit of an update on him. He returned well, but... Still getting back to good form. Another play I thought stood out. This was a game I watched for quite a bit on Saturday. Yep. Luan lowell Lu, Lu, just played fantastically. and Such a great defender that really picks up on those second efforts quite a lot. And just really good composure around any contested play. And I thought that just stood out among everything else. Whenever there was pressure from the Bendigo forwards, he just stood up. Put, him, put his front foot forward and took the game on himself. And it was... A really impressive game and just his positioning on the field. He knows where to find the football in a good position in order to transition well. He was fantastic. Uh, One of David Loder's best on the ground was definitely Alex Milan, and just a player he was impressed by offensively just wins the ball out of the contest and knows how to burst out of a stoppage and find an open play. Uh, He was making great scoreboard impact as well especially for someone who has a bit of a defensive mindset as a midfielder, he was just getting on the scoreboard and that was really impressive. David in the end and just a great two-way running player. Uh, two more I sort of want to touch on. And if there was uh, someone on Instagram that touched out to, uh, reached out to us about uh, Kai Jess, that his grandfather did play, I think. I not remember where he played, but, Kai Jess is the grandson of him, and they wanted to know a bit about him. Played very well, twenty-two touches, very high-end, high-effort type of player with great leg speed. Just has very good position around the footy and great pressure, and that is a uh, one to watch. So, thank you to whoever sent that sent that message to us. So that uh, there you go. There's a bit of info on Kai Jess, and one more Joel Frazier, probably the one that stood out very early on in the game. He was just terrific and. I think his composure to lace kicks along the boundary line was, you know, really good as a winman. That probably shouldn't have made a lot of those kicks where the pressure was just very tight. You know, Bendigo sort of wanted to kill the ball a bit, you know, under that pressure in the first quarter, especially. And he just laced these kicks out and opened the space up into the middle. Very good composure. So Joel Frazier was the last one for me.
1: And then from a Bendigo perspective, I know having watched them, and I watched a little bit of this game as well, and having watched them in a practice match, Toby Travaglia is one who, who always impresses just with his bravery off half back and his excitement and what he sort of provides on offense. And he he had a really good game, Nathan, I sort of thought, took some intercept marks. So we know he has the ability to do it aerially. I don't think he would have played any talent league last year. I may be wrong, though. He's bottom-age year this year and he, he played for Vic Country in the under-16s champs last year. But there there were some other performers who I know stood out from your perspective. So, so do you want to give an insight into them? You obviously caught, like you say, a bit more of the game than I did.
0: Uh, Bailey Kane was one that was really impressive. Just his ability to take the game off, game on, out of the defensive lines was really impressive. And Danny O'Brien, coach of the Bendigo Pioneers, loves his heart and soul, you know, you know, personality in that team, just one that the players look up to as that that player that's going to get the job done nine times out of ten. So he was one that was very impressive. Tom Evans had a really good impact around the footy and nine contested possessions, four rebound fifties. He was one that was prevalent on the day. Uh, Oscar Smart, a lot of a lot of good tackling pressure. Probably didn't show as much as this game, but he's got a really good skill set that I think will be. Prevalent come the next couple of weeks. Uh, And and two players that Danny was very uh, strong on watching out for, especially in the next couple of weeks, Harla Kuma, really good speed and competitive. Didn't have a very good game on the weekend, but Danny's very set that he will come back and and impress. (coughs) Apologies. Bit of a dry throat, so recovering, but I'm getting there, so. John T, you read out the last one for me. No, that's
1: all right. Yeah, no. And and I suppose you you're you also speaking um, when we've spoken about it, about Dan Eurita is another one who will go well when he does get some get some chances and, and could push up to the next level if he if he does get the opportunity to. But I suppose to move on to the next game, which was Probably alongside Sandy Easton as match of the round, given they've exposed their bottom ages so much in Geelong and Dandenong, Geelong winning that one by 30 points. But, yeah, both both teams had players that impressed. I mean, yeah, your Vic Country operators went really well for both teams, as you would expect. So uh, you had, I suppose, from Geelong, you had Patrick Hughes in the midfield. He's a big-bodied midfielder. He's already a part of Vic Country, and he performed really well around the ball and was a big, Factor in why Geelong were able to break even or even win that sort of midfield battle. Then you had Michael Rudd, who who made most of some opportunities up forward and looked really damaging. And then from a Dandenong perspective, they had Cooper Simpson out with the with the corky he sustained last week. Expected to be right for for this week's match at Highgate Reserve. They play the Brisbane Lions Academy, uh, but that meant that Harry Jamadia, their, their fellow co-skipper, was the sole skipper on the day, but more importantly, played, mid, played the midfield forward role rather than the wing halfback that he was sort of more looking at. So he filled in Cooper's shoes and did really well, 15 touches and three goals, which is a really good effort uh, for a player who probably wasn't expecting to play there up until about 48 to 72 hours before the game. So. It was good to see him step up and start the season on the right foot. And then, yeah, you also had Sam Fangalas did well from the midfield. You had guys like Kobe Ship, who we've seen him in defence. He played a little bit on the wing. He showed his ability overhead. And also, Josiah Nunnup is one who has been a wild card that's been mentioned in different places. And people are keen to sort of see how he goes. Didn't get as much of the ball, but had some really good moments with his pressure and that sort of thing that set up some teammates that caught the eyes. So I suppose how well he went can't really be measured in statistics and, and certainly not in possessions. So that were the main ones from that game, which, which is a really, really interesting game. Um, but yeah, I suppose moving on to Calder and Gold Coast. Calder are able to get up in that one. Thirteen goals kicked across the two teams. Calder got up by, Calder got up by twenty points. Ryanair, the big name. I keep hearing Ryanair. I've heard it from a few people. So tell me, having watched a bit of that game and uh, from what you've sort of heard, Nathan, is he, is he one to keep an eye up, out for?
0: Well, he's part of the Essendon NGA Academy, so definitely one we've already heard about, but. I guess a good story beyond that is that it was his first game of footy in three years, so that was already impressive in itself. 25 touches on the day and really set the boys up behind the plate and moving forward, so he was definitely one that stood out and looked, to be honest, Jonte, I'm going to let you cover my part for this because my voice is slowly giving out on me.
1: Yeah, well I suppose the other things, yeah, I suppose i I heard a little bit about um I Amin mean, Name and and Isaac Kako up forward. Uh, low possession player Isaac Kako kicked a couple of goals. Um, but only probably had the eight possessions. But whenever he gets around the ball, he's an absolute gun from what you hear. And I know I predicted him to kick the most goals this season and to kick start off the the week the the year with two was really impressive. Harry O'Farrell is one who played a really important role. He's a bottom major on Debo and he played on Jed Walter, who is probably in that first-round category at this stage of the year and, and did really well. So he's one with a lot of upside. And then they've got a lot of other bottom majors as well. I mean, I mentioned Kako before. They've got Jaden Wynne, who's a lightly framed player, gets a lot of the footy and sort of knows how to get it, which, which isn't always easy for the position that he plays. Patrick said is another one who's got great vision, and I suppose if you're going to mention one more, you, you'd be remiss not to mention the name of Moody Taha, who's drive out of contest and and that sort of thing was was really impressive uh, for a player who's part of the Bashir Academy, and he's already got wraps on him. He's part of the Vic Metro Hub as well, so looking forward to seeing if he can really sustain that form throughout the season because from what I've seen of him, he's really impressive. And it's good to say that he's played round one, as well as what he sort of has shown in practice matches.
0: Well, there that does wrap it up as my voice slowly dies. But (laughs) because of that, we're going to do our round one tips as a separate clip. So head over to Instagram to look at that, just because I've run out of water. So I've been drinking water the whole time. But no, thank you for joining me, Jonty. It was a good first and second round the review will be back next week doing the exact same thing so stay tuned for that but thank you everyone for watching keep keep track on our socials for more content and we'll see you in the next episode